0: Today's episode is about how to drive change in your organization. It's about hiring a large team of employees all at once, training your staff, and it's about how mindsets impact actions. From Engagement, I'm David Malay, and this is Flip the Switch. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Flip the Switch. Uh, I think this is our first episode of the new year, certainly at least the first episode that we recorded in 2021. Um, So little, little different thing here with Flip the Switch. Um, Obviously, if you have listened to the show before, uh, you know that we sit down with leaders to tease out what they know about customer experience, employee experience, and we apply those insights, those trends, those principles, the learnings that they've got, and we apply those things to the world of sports and entertainment. Um, Normally, it's me sitting down with leaders to do that, uh, but today's episode is a little different. Uh, I am actually not even on the episode. Uh, So one of the great things about traveling and the world that we're in and the world that I've been living, honestly, for like the last seven years of, of remote work, you can really work from anywhere because my whole entire office is in my backpack. The bad thing is sometimes you encounter places where the Wi-Fi is not all that it was hyped up to be. Um, so that's what happened during this podcast. Uh, Kevin Gober and I sat down with Cami Testa, who I'll introduce her in a second here. Uh, we sat down together to record this podcast uh, over the internet, remote, and my Wi-Fi just couldn't hack it. So Kevin Gober and Cammy had a great conversation. We said, let's not sacrifice this episode uh, because I can't be on. And Kevin crushed it. Uh, but more importantly, Kami also really crushed it. Uh, and this is her first time on a podcast, uh, but I think you'll find she is filled with knowledge. Uh, so who is Kami Testa? Uh, so Kami Testa, uh, she worked at disney previous to her role at the phoenix suns Um, so her role at the phoenix suns right now is she's the guest experience program director but if you go to her linkedin you're going to see right off the bat it says bringing the x factor to the guest and employee experience Uh, so if you want to go check that out for yourself uh, and give her a follow if you like her Uh, her name is spelled k-a-m-i T-E-S-T-A. And you can find her on LinkedIn. Follow along. She posts great content there. Um, But I want to call special attention to kind of bringing the X factor to the guest and employee experience. Something that we talk a lot about on this show, uh, but based on her previous history where she worked at Disney Institute for a little bit, uh, Disney Cruise Line, and other different types of roles at Disney for a long time prior to moving into the sports space, um, there's this concept of the chain of excellence uh, and that really ties together this guest and employee experience. So the chain of excellence, as we talked about it at Disney, was really made up of uh, four different components. So the first component, ultimately, everything that you do starts with leadership excellence. Uh, at the end of the day, if your leaders really are, are not leading people in a way that motivates and inspires them, your organization could have the best strategy in the world and it's going to fall apart. It's not going to succeed. So the first link in that chain is leadership excellence. Leadership's job ultimately then is to get to the second point of the chain, which is employee excellence. Ultimately, as a leader, your job is to drive and get the most out of your employees, create an environment that allows them to flourish, that allows them to really pursue the purpose of the organization in unique ways. and So the First two links of the chains really then become leadership excellence, which drives the second chain, which is employee excellence. Ultimately, if your employees are coming to work every day and they're inspired and they're motivated and they're driven and they're focused on the strategy, right? They will be able to create great guest experience, and that is the third link in the chain. Uh, is really all about guest experience. If your guests are happy, they are going to lead to the fourth link in the chain, which is brand loyalty, right? If your guests are happy, if your customers are excited, if they love your brand, they're going to spend more money with you. They're going to have intent to return and intent to recommend. They're going to tell their friends about how great your product or service is, and they're going to continue buying and continue coming back to your your venue or whatever it might be. Um, So the four links in the chain, it goes leadership excellence, employee excellence, guest experience, brand loyalty right? And those were four things that we always hit on at Disney. And you're going to hear in this commentary or in this discussion between Cami and Kevin, both who are now in the sports space, working for NBA teams, leading guest experience at their particular NBA teams, and their background both comes from Disney. So they've got this kind of common thread. And I think Cammy actually alludes to this chain of excellence in the conversation. But I think as we go through this conversation with Kami, you're really going to see a number of different topics that come up because she's so focused on this big picture of the entire chain. She's not just focused on one element of the chain, which I think sometimes happens too often when we get into our roles, we focus on what's in front of us, the trees in front of us that we can't see how it all connects together into the bigger forest. And I think that's what's really unique about Cami in her particular role is that she sees that forest. She sees that bigger chain. So, Anyway, without further ado, uh, let's jump into this episode with Cammie Testa and Kevin Gober. Uh, And again, if you want to follow Cammie, check her out on LinkedIn. That's the best way to reach her. But anyway, uh, let's get the two of them going. And I'm done talking for the rest of the episode.
1: All right. It's another week. I'm excited. It's 2021. Man, how about that? Uh, Hey, this is KG. And uh, I know D Malay, David Malay is out there somewhere. We might not hear him much today, but we're going to we're going to do a little something different here uh, because we've got Kami Testa. Did I say that right? Uh, you did. On with us, and uh, you know, Cammy, How about you tell the um, the audience a little bit, uh, you know, about yourself, where you are, where you work, and uh, maybe what excites you about this industry that we're in.
2: Yeah. Um, so I work for the Phoenix Suns. I'm currently the guest experience director there, um, and I've been here now, going on my fourth season. Believe it or not, kind of crazy to believe, um, but I decided to take a leap of faith and start a new adventure uh, a little, about four years ago, like I said, to leave everything I knew with a 19-year career with the Walt Disney Company. So, and uh, what better to do than leave Disney and join a professional sports team, right? Um, I knew nothing really about the sports operation, but obviously working in entertainment for so many years, um, it just seemed like a really great opportunity. And honestly, the reason I took the leap of faith was because of the fact that I am very passionate about the guest experience and also about the employee experience. So while it doesn't say it in my title, I actually am equally as responsible for the employee experience as I am the guest experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they go hand in hand. And uh, wow, I, I'll come back to that with them going hand in hand, the guest experience, the employee experience. That is amazing because yep. we haven't really talked a lot. Uh, well, a lot. We just met. Uh, I've seen your yep. name in passing via emails. But you just gave me confirmation here in 2021, because probably 10 years ago, I I titled a book that was going to be called Leap of Faith because... Uh, taking a leap of faith is challenging. It's risky. It can be scary as hell. Right. (laughs) You know, in 19 years at Disney and stepping away to move into the sports industry was amazing. I took a leap of faith when I was at Disney because I spent six years at Disney as well. Um, When I left the Emporium in retail and I went to Disney Institute where I met Malay. And um, the funny thing is, this is not about me, but the funny thing is, I stepped away from full time employment and I remember my director. Her name was Leslie. I remember my director saying, you understand you're going to lose some benefits. Your pay is going to be cut in half. And this is temporary. We don't even have a full time uh, slot on the books this year. And I said, I'm going to take a leap of faith because this is what I want to do. Right. And so I I just admire that uh, after 19 years uh, with Disney, taking that leap of faith and and walking. uh, I'll go I'll go to another side of my brain here. Scripturally, walking into a land that I will show you. (laughs) Right. Just going somewhere into a new industry, not knowing what it's going to be. Um, And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for current day. Current day, 2020, 2020, last year, it was probably good you took that leap of faith four years ago because uh, we know our colleagues out there, uh, our colleagues out there, our heart goes out to you still those that, you know, were, were, were um, uh, allowed to take your magic elsewhere. That's how we're going to put it for our colleagues last year. So, hey, welcome to the industry. Um, tell us then a little bit about, well, as you said, they go hand in hand, the guest experience and employee experience. Oh, Talk a little bit about that. Why do you see them uh, paralleled?
2: Well, you know, bringing it back to my Disney days, obviously, we all are familiar with that leadership, um, the chain of excellence. Right. That we talk about a lot, especially at Disney Institute, since we all have that in common. Um, And so obviously that's been something that even before I started at D.I. was something that we lived and preached as a leader was making sure that you know that everything is impacting each other. So when you can make your employees happy, make them feel safe and secure, like you're creating a sense of belonging for them, um, they in turn will make a phenomenal experience for your guests. Um, and, And honestly, I found that building those relationships and showing your employees how much you value them We'll almost outdo any kind of formalized training you could ever provide, you know, just giving them that sense of belonging and and feeling like they can trust the organization, trust their leadership team. Um, So we make sure that every decision that we make is not just about the wow factor for the guest. What's the shiny new item or technology we can introduce or um, put on a fantastic show, if you will, on the court. It really is a lot about those individual touch points and those interactions that they get to have. You know, I think sometimes we lose sight of the humane portion of the experience. So. Um, we're really taking that approach, even going so much as to change our entire hiring process right now, because um, we just finished our first ever virtual hiring event. Um, not that we haven't done things virtual in the past, but we've never gone 100% virtual. But, you know, 2020 brought the pandemic and makes you have to pivot in all kinds of ways. So um, it's been really interesting changing even our own internal processes that we've been doing for 53 years.
1: Wow. and you know, I want to hear a little bit about that virtual uh, experience because we're embarking up on that actually in the next week or two. Uh, but let's go back. Right. For our for our listeners out there, when Cami mentioned the chain of excellence, the chain of excellence, it's, it's really how Disney approached everything. And it was all about leadership first leaders, great leaders guiding the experience. It was then about them focusing on the employee. Before the guest, focusing on the employee before the guest, that internal service quality, and then focusing on the guest that external service quality, which 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 got us to our business results, the dollars. And, you know, like I know, corporations, sports and entertainment alike, they put the dollars first, most of them. And uh, in our days now, in our times now, if you don't hire, select, retain great leaders, right, who then focus on the employee, who then are equipped to focus on the guests, like you mentioned, you're not going to get the business results you're after. And if you do, they're not going to be sustained. So that's the chain of excellence that that Kami mentioned. That uh, yeah, we live by. I tell you a funny story. When I first got to Disney in the Magic Kingdom, um, Phil Holmes, Phil Holmes was our vice president who was there for ages. And in um, one basics course, which is how we treat, how we act, and things like that, uh, it was basically our common purpose, our service course. He said, "Don't worry about dollars. Don't worry about profits." And I'm sitting in a class like that dude's drank a lot of the Kool-Aid. <laughs> right. What, what, what do you mean? I came from a retail background before I got to Disney. And it was always you get the call from your regional uh, VP if you didn't make sales that day. Hey, why are sales down and and, and uh, um, labor up? I'm like, oh, boy, let me explain this. But so when he said, don't worry about sales, don't worry about profits. I was like, I think I'm in the wrong place. But then I understood worry about the employees, worry about the guest experience, right? And everything else will come. And, you know, everybody listens to this call. They know Disney is one of the, you know, hey, what do they say? It's the happiest place, most magical place on Earth. And that's on the bottom line as well. You know, so uh, so the chain of excellence. Let's, let's talk about this virtual hiring fair in 2020. Yeah. 2020. Um, it's funny. I was talking to my father-in-law, uh, last week and he goes, uh, everybody is so happy to see 2020 go away and pushing it out the way. What do you think is going to happen at 1201? Everything's going to be back to normal. (laughs) (laughs) Not the case. Right. So our new normal from a hiring perspective you talk about is the virtual hiring fair. Talk a little bit about that. What did that entail? And I heard you say it and I see in our notes moving away from people that says we've always done it that way. How did you (laughs) how did you convince them that this was the way to go aside from the times that we're in? Right. Um,
2: So obviously, with the challenges of 2020 also brought uh, us having to be creative from an organizational standpoint, um, you know, just like a lot of companies out there, we're on a reduced employee capacity right now. So um, each of us is taking on multiple jobs, which, you know, it's funny at Disney, you always are taking on multiple jobs. You look at any ex Disney employees resume and it's very confusing because (laughs) the company gave us so many opportunities to do so many jobs at one time. Um. So that's really the state that we're in. So believe it or not, I'm usually not in charge of our recruitment efforts. We do usually have um, a corporate recruiter on our team. Uh, because of circumstance, uh, it's definitely something I've picked up. And I challenged our HR team to think about things differently. You know, I think sometimes they see me just as that L&D expert or looking strictly at the guest experience that they forget that I've done so much more outside of what they've seen me do with the Suns organization. Um, So I got the opportunity to kind of challenge them. Let's, let's approach this differently. You know, we've been doing things for over 50 years, the same way, can we change our whole focus and really hire for attitude rather than aptitude? So that was kind of that first position. So here's the weirdest thing we probably started with. I said, when you get an interviewer in that virtual room with their interviewee, don't show them their resume and the look on everyone's faces was like sheer panic kg like people were looking at me like i had a second head sprouting out of my neck um, oh. and i said i'm i'm not saying that i don't want you to have some kind of a baseline or some kind of knowledge about that person but i feel like the moment you read what's written on that paper you're already judging mm-hmm. right And I'm not here to look for someone that has 20 years of guest experience on their resume. First of all, these are mostly entry-level positions. Right. But I really want to gauge, can that person hold the conversation? Do they... Kind of have that positive spirit where they don't even have to say anything. And you already feel like, wow, that person feels so happy and so genuine. I said, I can train them to do almost anything, use almost any computer system, um, talk through any process that we have internally and externally. But I can't teach someone to be happy. Go ahead. So, um, you know, just going in with that was, was a shock, a definite culture shock. So, um, we had our first hiring event earlier this week, um, having them start off that way. You know, I think it's weird because usually if you're in a traditional interview, you tend to go to the resume first, Mm -hmm. but if you don't have a resume sitting in front of you, then how do you start that conversation? So, um, we did that. We also changed the questions we asked because I really wanted to dive deep. It wasn't about them regurgitating what was on their resume. It was about share with me your thought process. How do you handle things that are difficult? How do you think through a problem? What if you're having communication challenges? What do you do to to change how you're talking or speaking um, in order to be able to, uh, you know, be able to share that information? So, um You know, one of the questions is so funny, because at first, when they saw our list of questions, they were reading. um, So I make cliff notes to myself when I write interview questions. Um, It's basically like a little phrase that says this is what I'm trying to get out of them. Okay, don't say it out loud right? Like, don't give them the prompt. You just want to read the question. So an example of that was, uh, we had one about exceeding expectations, right? Uh, where basically I was, I had them ask a question. It was talking about going above and beyond, but the prompt was exceed expectations. So I had to go back and coach some of our interviewers saying, okay, the writing in red, don't read it. <laughs> like that's just for you. What we're trying to pull out from them, just go ahead and read the question. Um, You know, you don't have to read it verbatim, but basically this is what we're trying to accomplish by the answer.
1: That's good. A facilitator guy for the interviewer. (laughs) (laughs) um, Here's one. I saw multiple things. I heard multiple things in that. Right. And it's a great example. Uh, But you are educating and developing the interviewers, the people who've been doing this thing for a long time as well. Uh, because they are so used to, as we know, looking for can this person do this, 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 this and this versus what I wrote down a feeling when you're looking for attitude versus aptitude. It's a feeling. Right. We came on earlier this morning and chit chatted before we we got into our recording. It's like it's a feeling. Right. That we just vibe. And when you can vibe with people, you know that uh, they're the ones that you want on your on, on your team. You know, so uh, I I go I always go to my other screen here, which is my Disney insights. Sometimes, you know what you're saying. This is a long insight. Skills based recruitment, uh, our colleagues used to say, is fatally flawed. You've got to significantly overemphasize desired behaviors. What do you want people to do? Right. How do you want people to behave? How do you want people to act? And that's what we're looking for in, in that interview. So that that's some some really cool stuff in um, in how you framed uh, this this virtual event. And uh, what what do you think from your first event? You think you got some really good people?
2: You know, I'm not going to lie, you know, going into something new, you always have that concern. You know, did we make the right choices by trying something that really does feel different and a little bit uncomfortable? Um, So my first interview that I sat in, I thought, oh, my gosh, what have we done? like, was this the right thing to happen? You know, cause you just never know. It's just like if you're hosting an in-person job fair. Um, but after getting through a couple different people, I said, okay, this is exactly, we are making the right decision. Um, even though we're having to do this all via video and, and as much as that helps being able to talk and see a person, you know, I almost feel like there's always that extra element you're missing when you're face to face in reality. Um, so we talked through, you know, should we also have some in-person opportunities, yeah. you know, at this particular moment in time, just because the numbers in Arizona are not in our favor in regards to the pandemic. Um, We've decided to not host anything in person for the time being. However, we also don't want to exclude those who may not have the same access to a computer or be able to have a video camera and use their microphone to their device. So we do have something in place. Should a person come back to us and say, you know, um, there's no way for me to go onto your platform and be able to interview that way. So we do have a way we can do it in person. Um, you know the the bigger challenge I think with in person versus virtual was we were really hoping that we could do our training in person just because there's so much interaction right uh, and that way we're not facing technological challenges for those who are not as comfortable doing things online um, so it's it's just been kind of a, a hit or miss situation but obviously we felt good enough to run our second event tomorrow okay. um, so we're really looking forward to, to opening those opportunities. And like I said, I think it'll be interesting to see once we get a chance to really talk to those people face-to-face to Mm -hmm. see if everything we set up and we had hoped to achieve if we actually accomplished it.
1: That's cool. That's cool. You know, we're, 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 we're thankfully in a really good place here and well, a good place. Uh, I'll say a little bit better place here in Atlanta to where we are uh, hosting some fans. We've, we've had this, what we call crawl, walk, run phase of opening our building. Uh, and so that's going to allow us, cause we're going to move next week into kind of a virtual hiring as well, using everyone's best friend, Zoom. <laughs> um so we'll we'll do our initial Selections and interviewing and round robin and breakout rooms and things like that, uh, virtually. But then we'll be fortunate. We're fortunate enough to be able to bring them in uh, during the last phases when they look to go into department uh, department hirings. And then, of course, we can do some uh, what we call on dark days. We know dark days when there's no events happening in the in the arena. We can bring them in and tour them and have some socially distant face to faces and in person. So that's going to be uh hopefully cool in our favor our trainings as of right now will probably stay virtual um for our onboarding process until we continue to move forward with that so um i think the 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 in person again to your point you 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 get a feel virtually, but then when you you see them in the you know face to face if you will right i think I don't say it's a different person, but you get to bring to light the reason I think you chose them virtually, right? Because they put on something, they said something, they did something. Uh, I'm I'm really let me ask this. Did anybody do anything with their background or backdrop or their attire with the the virtual event? You know, I was kind of hoping
2: for that because I'm not going to lie, me personally, I don't know if any of you, you know, did this yourself, whether you're in a meeting um, or just talking to your family or friends. Um, I got really excited at first when we were on Zoom pretty much every day, all day, to the point where I actually flipped my desk around just so I could have a blank wall and make sure my virtual backgrounds were great. But unfortunately, no, no one tried to to entertain us and, and do something creative by dressing differently or or having that background but uh yeah. you know it, we we also started our trainings virtually just like UKG so um, in fact, we're in the middle of it uh, as far as our virtual trainings for our frontline staff. But before our numbers spiked, um, before we hit into the holidays, we actually did have some limited in-person training okay. um, for our team captains and our hosts. Um, so those are our folks who are in our premium spaces, and team captains are kind of like those frontline supervisors that we hire. Right. Um, and so we pulled them all together. That was something we normally would have done. The challenge was instead of having this be a one-and-done situation. For training, we had to host this um, so many times because we created a socially distanced classroom. So we okay. legit set up our tables and chairs and measured to make sure they were at least six feet away from each other. We prepackaged their snacks. So instead of serving like a lunch like we normally right. would have, right. um, we literally had to seal up a bag of of snacks that none of us were touching and they would pick up themselves. And even just doing a sign in sheet, things you don't think right. about. You know, we had them g- grab their own pens and then once they touched it, it was theirs. Like, yeah. like that's yeah. your pen now. Um, so, at least we were lucky enough to get a little bit of in person training. And, um, you know, the other challenge for us is that how do you do in person training when your building doesn't have a, a certificate of occupancy? Yeah. So, um, we were lucky enough, we have temporary offices on our property. Um, because, uh, we were switching partners. So we actually have a healthcare building on our, our walk. Oh, okay. Um, so we were able to clean that out, change it into a half recording studio for our broadcast half office space. So broadcast luckily had moved out at that point. So I literally was using an area they were broadcasting in. they had built a studio. Oh, that was so the joke was that I was going to sit behind the broadcast table and teach my class. <laughs>
1: You know you mentioned that earlier, versatility, right? Uh, twenty twenty has has created opportunities and and you gotta capitalize on those opportunities and be versatile, you know um, you know here, uh, as a note that I know David uh, had down here about uh, um, discovering uh, um, discovering talent, right? Um, when people, how do you either in a training setting, virtual or in person, a hiring setting, virtual in person, how do you bring out what's really in a person? How, what kind of tactics and, and tips could you share or you bring out? Cause you do know, we might get on and we're kind of modest and we're related, you know, we relax, but you bring what you see in them out. What's a, what's a, a tip or trick that you've used to do that?
2: Um, uh. You know it's it's kind of changed just like everything else over time. I think the one really big benefit of having to reduce the size of those in-person trainings is you get a lot more one on one time. Okay. I mean, I know each of us has been a situation where we may be facilitating to a hundred plus people, and it's really hard to make those connections, even you know, as much engagement or table touching as we will. Um, Not literally, clearly, but you know what I mean, like trying to make sure you're interacting with each of the groups and hearing the conversations that are being had. Um, Having them in these smaller configurations really allowed me to dive a little deeper than I normally would and kind of pick up on those insights. What, how are they thinking through things? What kinds of conversations are they going ahead and being proactive and sparking versus me having to prompt them or continuously kind of, you know, poke them a little bit to say, Hey, I want you to talk about this. Um, and me picking up on those insights, I've tried to do a, a much better job talking to each of the department leaders within our organization to kind of share with them some of the insights, you know, Oh, well, when I was talking to Joe, um, he was, it was really interesting how he thought about X process. Um, so that's really, I, I'll i be honest, I feel like we could do a much better job on really developing that talent. I think we do a, a really good job within our full time staff. But I think during our part time event staff, we aren't doing our due diligence to build that bridge because some of them, they really do want the, that growth and they yes. want to stay loyal to an organization for as long as they can. Um, So we probably need to outline those opportunities a little bit better and spend a lot more time developing individuals versus kind of the mass situations we've been put in in the past just because of the sheer volume of a department size.
1: Right. You know what? That, that That's spot on in, in that, you know, we're building you, you talk about retention and it's retention at every level. One of the things that we're building uh, with my team, my L&D team here uh, at the at State Farm Arena in Atlanta Hawks is this. We call our frontline uh, team members smile makers. So to go from smile makers to same kind of uh, lingo and verbiage you have to captains, which is that first line supervisory role. Uh, so from smile makers to captains. From captain to coach, uh, and we're building programs to get to those levels for our frontline, and then from coach, which is our highest level supervisory role, to go from coach to intern or coach to trainee, right? Trainee, intern to full time—you know—the lifespan of that employee. So, same thing you're saying. We're looking, we're looking far and long, if you will, uh, and we can then focus on those individuals who show and demonstrate promise and who raised their hand and say, Hey, I want to be a part of this. So I think uh, that is, that's, that's our call in 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 L and D definitely that, that you and I and others like us need to be focusing on, you know um, I, I asked about the look and feel, and if anybody did anything, you know, different in the virtuals, because I know you, you seem passionate about to um, changing the look of people even on a game day situation, what, what, what's kind of been that feel? Cause I know the, the, I'll call it the fluorescent or the uh, canary yellow <laughs> stuff that people wear <laughs> or the bright red. What's, what's been the feel as you guys go through renovation? Have you talked about what the new look and feel is going to be like for your frontline team members?
2: Yes. So believe it or not, that is also my responsibility is the uh, uniform selection, (laughs) right? I'm kind of the jack of all trades right now. It's kind of funny because, you know, whenever someone asks that question, who's in charge of, and then they fill in the blank uh, nine times out of 10, it's me right now. So, uh, that's what happens when you're a small and mighty team under the circumstance. But, uh, Mm -hmm. it it was a challenge. Um, so once again, here I am, you know, looking at our existing uniform pieces and there were so many pieces, um, every department had their own set of uniforms. And within that every position within every department had their own look and feel. Um, and to me, because they were not all brought on on the same time, it was very disjointed, to be honest. Um, you could tell different people's preferences and styles and thought processes, and it didn't necessarily um, work together. So, what we were trying to do was to really just make sure that we were thinking about the bigger picture. You know, no longer was it about trying to focus about finding someone, that fluorescent yellow that you talk about, it was really bigger than that about what we wanted to accomplish as a whole. So one of the first things I propose, once again, I'm like shattering these people's worlds (laughs) because I'm coming up with these off-the-wall suggestions, was what if we didn't dress them differently? What if a security officer didn't really look any different than a guest service representative? or a um, ticket office employee? What if we just really gave them a unified look? Because at the end of the day, do our guests really care if they're talking to a GSR or a security or who have you? Really, they're just looking for someone who works there and they need help or assistance of some sort. Um, So believe it or not, after much convincing and many hours of meetings, we luckily got to that point where we were able to convince everyone that, hey, we don't need to have 50 different looks for our uniforms. We can really have one look. And in fact, instead of putting them in highlighter colors, let's go ahead and let's mute them actually where they almost blend in with the wallpaper because at the end of the day, what we want our guests focusing on is what's happening on the court or the stage. And we want them focusing all the great things that we did with the physical aspects of the building If anything, the only one takeaway I want them to have from having that interaction with our employees is how they made them feel. So our new uniforms that we're going to be introducing when the day comes, we can welcome fans back into the building are very muted. We're in gray, white, black, a little bit of accessory splashes of team colors, maybe a little bit of branding depending on the space that they're in. But for the most part, you're not going to be able to necessarily tell at face value What department anyone works in, what level, uh, you know, whether they're a captain or a frontline employee, um, it really is going to be a united front, and that was very purposeful because I wanted them to break their own barriers that they created and stop thinking about their job descriptions and start thinking about the bigger picture, which is to make that experience.
1: How about that? How about that? You know, and and one of the things out of out of many, but one of the things is you really get that sense of one team, one purpose which is one of the things I always preach. It doesn't matter if you're working in housekeeping or F&B or guest experience or security. One team, one purpose. Right. And and that's the look that you'll have. And, well, you know, you just kind of spoke that book. You know, it's, it's about how you make people feel. Right. You know, uh, and they can't say, guests. well, go get security or go get your supervisor we are all one. They can't tell us apart. And I think that goes to (laughs) what we talked about. The first 20 minutes is the, the intentional hiring, hiring for behaviors, hiring for the right cultural, uh, match so that everybody has the same mindset. Um, you know, so that, that, that is pretty cool. I'd be interested to see once you guys get back open, how that goes. Right. And, um, How you get people, you know, focus? Um, What were for some of the folks that were there? You know, we've been doing the same thing. I'm quoting you, fifty three (laughs) years. What do you have to do? What were some of your biggest objection objections to that? And uh, uh, how did you kind of turn people around to say this is the direction we need to go? Yeah,
2: uh, I'm not going to paint a pretty picture and say, oh, it was easy. I just convinced them and they were like, yeah, do all the changes and flip our whole world upside down. Uh, It was a lot of a slow process. But I think that one of the benefits of, of having a reduced team to to maneuver through this next normal, as I call it, um was really being able to say hey i'm the recruiter i'm also the trainer i'm i'm all these different things and let me tell you i don't think about things in a silo i really always try to make sure i'm thinking beyond my bubble beyond my primary areas of focus um so i think when i positioned and i painted that broadest picture to our executive team uh, this is what i envision our future could look like this is why i'm suggesting getting away from um, what we did, like having the bright colored shirts, I get why we did it back then, you wanted to make sure it was easy to spot them. Um, but at the end of the day, it was funny, you know, I pointed out to them, I said, you, you know, one of you asked me one time, you know, where were our app advisors who were in the bright yellow shirts? And I said, you couldn't even see those neon yellow shirts in the sea of people. So while our intent was very clear, it still was complicated back when we could have a full house to see individuals and what they were wearing. And let's face it, you know, someplace along the line, fashion changed and and fluorescence came back at one point. So people were coming in with fluorescent color attire. And I'm like, well, there goes that, you know. people. I I missed
1: that 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 email.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. So it really was about showcasing to them and kind of outlining the entire fan journey and understanding and recognizing that I'm not here to say, hey, I'm 100% right and I know it. It's about let's try something different. I'm willing to admit that if this ends up being a bigger challenge than we can anticipate, I'm not married to my ideas, as I say, right? Um, I'm willing to adjust and adapt. But it did take a lot of conversations, a lot of hand-holding. But ultimately, being able to create and paint that picture for them to see everything and how it was going to tie in together. You know, I really wanted to get us away from Operating in separate committees or groups, and really thinking holistically that all the decisions we were going to make into reopening a renovated building were going to be together and definitely integrate and tie into each other as much as possible.
1: Yeah, amazing, amazing. And I know you. I go back to a, a thought that uh, uh, one of the execs, former execs of Disney, Lee Cockerell, said one day, "Hey, be be courageous enough to make a decision, uh, because they're always reversible." Right. There are most decisions you can go back and change on a dime. So if you get in there, it doesn't work out. You know, once again, you pivot like we did all of 2020, you pivot and you make an adjustment, uh, but you stand behind and and you bring about, I think, the uh, idea and the benefits or proposed benefits and you try it. Yeah, I think that that is about innovation. And I think we let's, let's let's change it up a little bit here, because that really speaks about innovation uh, and and doing things different. Um, and so you spoke to it a little bit about. Breaking down your silos and making a holistic, taking, looking at the holistic approach with everybody involved. How does, you know, you all's organization, and I can speak to us too, how do you guys look at that global, uh, innovative, creative ideas of things?
2: Yeah, um, it's a great question. I wish I had a, an awesome answer to share. Uh, but to be honest, you know, I, I've kind of talked, you know, so I happen to be a little bit unique. I know within my peer group, within guest experience, not many of us report into the head of HR. And that's actually who my leader is. Um, and, and they went back and forth before they hired me where it seemed like it would be appropriate to have this position. But at the end of the day, I think it was really because of that employee experience They wanted to make sure that I was able to get beyond just the operational parts of our facility, but really be able to help with all employees across the organization um, and covering our, our building folks as well as both of our teams. And then we also have some other offshoots, as most teams do. We have a lot of small businesses within our bigger business, right? Right. Um, so one of the things I know I started talking about was some of my predictions in the future. It was funny on the last employee summit we were able to have, um, we usually try to have a keynote speaker to kinda to get people pumped up for the day. Um, so we brought in someone who is a proclaimed futurist. Uh, which was really interesting because I was like, I don't even know what a futurist is. Like, what do they what do? they do? I mean, is it like a psychic or I'm not really sure. Um, but it's more of those, you know, he's more of an innovator who can kind of predict what he thinks will happen based on trends he's seeing today. Um, and it's been interesting, some of his predictions, how close they've been um, to what's happened. So one of my futurist kind of predictions that I think will help, especially when breaking down those silos Um, I actually imagine that some businesses will become full of teams of more project managers than anything instead of traditional roles. So instead of having a director of guest experience, will you have more people who are not just focused on what that traditionally meant in the past? Or will you have people that maybe because of their experience before... Um, that project they're focusing on can bring different ideas or, or have a little bit of experience within something similar. So, you know, we kind of started looking at that actually with our internship programs. Um, funny that enough of you talk about that during the succession planning portion. Uh, mm-hmm. So we tried looking at that with our internships. And we recently made some changes to our internships to no longer resemble what they once did, which was to focus on one area of discipline. We now actually have more rotational internships where a person, if they get accepted into our program, they get to sample at least a handful, maybe not all of their areas, because then they would be with us for a while, as we know, but sample a few different areas. So we can also gauge where they may, might fit in and they can also explore what things look like in person versus on paper. Um, so that gives me a little hope that we'll be able to transform and break through those silos, because like I said, I I, I don't know that, you know, or all organizations will get to that point. But I have a feeling that the ones that try that approach where they're not kind of landlocking people, that they might see some really cool and creative outcomes.
1: I think that's huge. Right. That's huge. Because, you know, we talk about right fit talent Within the organization, and there's been people since even I've been here in in Atlanta, right? There's been people that I have interviewed for a job and I was like, oh, I at least got to get them in the organization, right? Because there's some skill sets uh, and some things uh, that would fit in the organization, but maybe in another role. Uh, so that that's huge with the internship. And really, if you go back in time, that it to me was the purpose of internships to learn the organization, right? Not get pigeonholed into a specific role or job, you know, because I think it stifles creativity, right? This is your job. You do that. And I'm not going to look at, you know, a guest experience person is not going to look at ticket sales, is not going to look at memberships. A, A corporate, uh, a corporate sponsorship person might not look at the parking experience, No, let's think of it, like you said, from a project uh, perspective, uh, because, you know, we always talk about even going back to our Disney days, that diversity of perspective. Right. You've got to have different mindsets, different ways of thinking, uh, you know. And so to that end, uh, to kind of parallel what you mentioned, we've got we've got a full on innovation lab. And uh, it's pretty cool because it reminds me of the walls uh, of Disney Institute where uh, and they built the room when we uh, moved into a new location. But you would have sticky notes all over the walls in certain places because you would have a facilitator or an engagement manager working on a project or a theme or company. And this was what they were trying to solve for. And we all got to contribute to that solution. Right. And so with our innovation lab, it is people from all over the organization trying to solve for something in season ticket membership, trying to solve for something in ticket ops, trying to solve, fill in the blank, trying to solve across the lines of business because you get, you get different ways of thinking. And one of my, one of my favorite concepts is the blue sky thinking. Let's mm-hmm. think about it. Let's imagine it. Let's draw it out. Right. Let's let's work it out, talk it out. And then let's put the budget to it. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Because if you put the budget to it first, you're locked in. And you're not going to be as creative and innovative uh, as you could be. So I really like that approach, that futuristic, as you say, approach uh, to to internships and just to the business as a whole, to uniforms, to, you know, how you greet throughout the arena. I think it's a it's a big piece of our operation, especially walking into the unknown of how we got to engage with fans. You know, it's, it's a it's a it's a it's a different space. It's a different space. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, and it's funny because you talk about that. And, you know, I, although I don't think, you know, we would make the leap immediately from traditional positions to more project management style things, you know, a a few, a few years ago, actually, when I first started, we had created a culture committee um, because that was one of those focuses of how can we transform the culture. So once again, it was from, you know, a bunch of different departments. You have a a ton of people in a room and we're all kind of brainstorming some of the challenges that we see today and what can we do to overcome them or transform them. Um, So I kind of took it one step further and I said, you know, as great as this is, locking in a committee for a year may actually not be doing us a service. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you're you're then committing to just those people. And what if it was we we tackled one issue at a time you kind of went out there to see who was really passionate about changing or helping overcome that issue. So what if we even rethought how we do committees, you know, and people just, once again, it's those looks in the room. I swear, you know, someone (laughs) one day is going to tell me I have an extra appendage or something, but, um, what do you you mean? Just been on this committee for three years. I I know (laughs) I I was voted on this committee, (laughs) right? So it, it is. It's just really crazy trying to think about that. But to your point, KG, like you do, you want different brains in there. And sometimes it's not even about the individual, it's about the current mindset that they're in. You know, one of the challenges we face today is with a, re- a reduced workforce you know, we are, we're burning the candles at both ends even more than we were before. And it's hard to think that that's even possible in our world, right? When you're in sports and entertainment, like we were kind of chatting with, uh, earlier this morning is, you know, we joke about having time off and that's yeah. not really a thing. So imagine if you have less employees to do the same amount of work, if not even more, because now you have things that came because of the pandemic, like certifying your building that it is safe with some yeah. kind of organization, um, so its it's been really challenging to keep people's mental health in check as well as still trying to innovate and be creative. Um, and some of these innovation challenges are not the fun ones, right? It's like, right. okay, so right. how can we prevent someone from touching anything in our facility? Yeah. <laughs> like that's not really fun, but, you know, trying to go contact free. Is something that's our reality right now.
1: Yeah, and our life is how do we continue to talk to them about uh, mask policy and the proper wearing of the mask? You know, uh, you know, David. David uh, knows that uh, I, I try at times to, to keep it very real uh, and relevant. And as we talk about, right, mental health here, uh, the challenges of the pandemic, you know, the challenges, of, cause we talk about people holding on to that committee and staying on, or we're doing things 20 years the same way. And let's be real, no different than, you know, um, no different than what we see in the world, I'll put it that way. And the political climate of the world, people are trying to hold on. Right. The incumbent is wants to hold on and stay in and and do all kinds of things to to uh, uh, usurp the system, if you will, uh, to make it. Uncomfortable for folks like you, myself, David, who who are really progressive and trying to do things. You know, wh- what's the conversations look like as we talk about mental health internally? Courageous conversations or uh, um, diversity inclusion conversations? What does those look like, man, for your organization, Cami?
2: Yeah, we're we're trying to do a myriad of things because, as you know, everyone is so unique and so different, and everyone's circumstances are very different. So. Yeah. You know, if, I, if I looked more specifically at the things within my immediate control, I found that I was checking in and meeting with my team members way more than I ever have. Um, and it's not because I didn't care about checking in with them before. But I think now more than ever, I was ultimately concerned about how they were adjusting, like, you know, getting a day's notice that, hey, we're all working remote um, and not everyone was set up to do so was really more of that I just want to check in and my meetings, my one on ones that would have been more about the business and more about what we're doing, um, moving forward, pivoted and changed to really being about this is just a conversation. I want to know how you are doing. Don't tell me about work. Don't look at your notepad and talk about all the tasks that are there. How are you doing? What can I do to help you? Um, so there was, there were times during my team meetings where I would surprise my team. And instead of talking about business as usual, I'd say, okay, today we're going to watch an episode of this TV show together, Okay, something lighthearted and, and, you know, lovely, you know, with technology, you could share your screen and your sound so we could watch at the same time or do a watch party. Um, But really that was part of it. But the other part was recognizing, you know, outside of just the pandemic, you know, as if there weren't more challenges in 2020, aside from the one thing, um, you know, looking at all the social injustice issues going on and recognizing that that is definitely impacting our staff. Yeah. Um, and instead of just kind of tiptoeing or avoiding around it, you know, our goal was to hit it face first. Let's yeah. have those open <laughs> conversations as uncomfortable as they can be. Um, so that really started us thinking about our strategy when it came to DE&I, uh, what can we do differently to make sure that people don't feel that this is a compliant situation or this is us checking the box that we really want to showcase that this is important to us. And these are the things we are doing. So funny enough, before the NBA shutdown happened, I had issued out a whole plan um, specifically on the focus of, of L&D and training um, as to what I wanted to tackle this season. And um, we had set up the self-registration in our LMS. And so people were signing up for classes. And then the jazz game happened.
1: (laughs) (laughs) um, March 11, 2020. (laughs) So go down in infamy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, in the NBA, we all knew where we were when that was happening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. um, You know, we had to make some changes. And so one of them was putting a pin in that training that was supposed to take place in person, in our arena. Um, And ultimately, you know, we we ended up having to do it virtually because we ended up thinking this is the best way to do it to make sure we have the distance and that we can still create an impact. But I had to change all my activities. Yeah. You know, once what was going to be on a table, a physical element sitting on a table was now going to be in a Zoom room. Mm -hmm. So we went ahead and made those changes and I even changed my thought process as to how we were going to build upon those additional topics because my whole thing was I did not want these to come across as individual experiences. It was really about let's take what we learned last time and build upon it so we can reinforce what we talked about before, but then we also can showcase that next level we could take it. So, um, you know, those are just a couple examples of what we're doing. but yeah it's it's been tough as i'm sure you've seen with your team yes. on how do you make sure that you're taking care of not just their physical health um, with social distancing and protocols, but also their mental health, knowing that everyone's in a unique position.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And and you know, as I think as we we'll, we'll get ready to wrap here, but as you know, as we get ready to wrap here, it's 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 real. As we seek to hire for attitude, what Cammy mentioned some time ago, we need to maintain and even increase a strong and positive attitude, and that comes through a lot. Learning development that comes through giving people opportunities that. comes comes through, as you said, you know, watching a TV show together via Zoom versus just another Zoom meeting. (laughs) Um, And it also comes through what we say, those courageous conversations. The funny thing back, I don't know, must have been May, back in May. You know, I had a conversation with my GM and I said, you know, we were all brought up and taught. You don't talk about race, religion and politics at work. You don't talk about race, religion and politics at work. And it was ingrained in us. And I said to him, what the hell are we talking about now? Race, religion and politics <laughs> in sports and entertainment. Right. And I think that's a great that you guys have shifted. And I I hope that our colleagues out here have shifted uh, in incorporating all of that into the L&D function, into the DE and i you know, function and into the conversations along with the product that happens on the court or things that you're doing in, in the community and all of those things, because it's very important if we want to maintain the attitude that we seek during hiring as they become long-term employees is very, very important. Uh, and so, you know, Hey, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a new year, but it's, uh, it's the same grind <laughs> as I'll say. And, right. uh, Cammy, it has been a, a pleasure, you know, chatting with you. And, uh, I'm looking forward to coming to Phoenix at some point. I've never been to Arizona. I don't know how that's happened, uh, but I'm looking forward to coming to see the uh, the renovation. You know, when you guys open back up, and uh, you definitely have uh, an open invitation to come to the A. You know, where we go peace up, A town down, A town up, peace down, something like that. You know, I'm not from here, but um, hey, it's been a pleasure, Cammy. We hope that uh, as uh, our, our, our regular listeners, you know, we hope that you found something uh, interesting uh, with today's conversation. I know, I know you missed David Malay's voice today, but I, I tried to play the part of David Malay today as well. Malay, we miss you, man. Uh, a happy new year to everyone. And uh, we hope you tune in and uh, you got some nuggets from us today. This is KG from Atlanta, Cammy from Phoenix. We're going to sign out.
0: Hey guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer-centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue, so when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.